Life Audio. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org/impact. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Dana Shea, and welcome to Real Relationship Talk. We are here with my friends, Joseph and Madeline Stallings, who, y'all, they have a story. Let me just tell you, I didn't even know what to call this podcast episode. I could have called it Overcoming Infidelity, Overcoming Separation, Overcoming Drug Use and Drug Dealing. I mean, there is so much that the Stallings have gone through in their marriage. And so what I decided to title the podcast episode was Overcoming separation, infidelity, and dysfunction in your marriage. And many of you can relate to all three. Maybe some of you can only relate to one of those aspects. But I wanted to have the Stallings on the show because, first of all, I just love talking to real people. I love talking to people who don't sugarcoat, who are open and vulnerable and honest with their stories. And so here we are today. And y'all, you're going to hear an incredible story of redemption The Stallings are still in process, as we all are in their marriage. They just recently celebrated 18 years together, and this show was actually recorded a couple months ago, but I think it's interesting that we just celebrated Easter this past weekend, if you're listening to this episode, when it was actually released, and there's so many references of resurrection and Easter, and even when they met Sunday, April 9th, which coincidentally was just a few days ago when we celebrated Easter. So I'm super just really thrilled to have them on the show. I am rooting for them. I love the fact that, again, they're just so open with their story. And I believe that you're going to find a lot of value out of this conversation. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome to the podcast, Joseph and Madeline Stallings. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Everybody, well, I am here with my friends Jay and Maddie Stallings, and uh, we've been just chatting it up before we started hitting record. I've known you two not too, too long. I've known of you probably longer than I've actually known you. 
But um, I think our first kind of foray into some of these kinds of conversations is we were together at a marriage retreat last year. And that's when I really kind of started finding out about y'all's story. And I was like, thinking back then, I would love to have them on the podcast. So here we are today. Thank you all for being here. I'm excited to see where this conversation takes us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Good to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in. You guys have an anniversary coming up in April. You will, Maddie, you were saying your your marriage will be legal at that point. <laughs> so 18 legal years. Legal adults. Right. Right. <laughs> so tell us what were, you know, when people turn 18, it's like, you know, okay, were you one of those, did y'all have some rebellious teenage years? Um, what were the, what were the preschool years of your marriage? Like, you know, I know y'all known each other for a long, long time. Um, and actually let's start there. Talk about your story. Cause I think it's such a cool story. You guys met in Hawaii. You're both military brats. Like you've practically known each other your whole life. So tell us a little bit about how you met. Uh, well, my sister was her friend. My sister was her best friend growing up. And so she was at the house all the time. Shout out to Demetria Stallings. <laughs> We love Demetria. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the way we were being in church, growing up in church. Yeah. Kind of where we found both of us were going into our spirituality and our relationship with the father at the same time and growing up into that. My parents were pastors. Her dad was a drill sergeant. Uh, my mom and her mom were really close. Yeah, they were. And like, you know, back in our day, you couldn't just go over anybody's house. You know, you're, you we. The parents had to know the parents and had to feel comfortable. So I was able to spend the night over there with Demetria. And she was I am not that old to be using back in my day. So <laughs> listen, we're go ahead and listen. That. <laughs> I know that's what, that's what our kids say. <laughs> back but, in our day, that's how we used to roll. That's right. right. When there was, you know, a little bit more, not so much structure, but anyway, I'd sing in the choir when we were kids. I used to sing with them. So I've always sang with them and the arts and stuff like that. So it was always really cool. Mm -hmm. And they have known me forever. So that was one of the easy parts because it's like, okay, well, we already know the family. Yeah. And then we found out that they moved to Elizabeth City. And so they would visit. Often my dad and mom had a church here in Virginia Beach. And so then they were like, I think we want to move up here. So they moved to Chesapeake. She was, you know, we were just friends. You know, yeah, we all so, had yeah. always been friends and yeah. I knew her boyfriends and stuff like that and talked to them. And I think one day, like I had left the church, like I'm done with church. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. And my mom was like, you need to come back to church. And I was like, why? And she was like, you probably meet your wife. I'm like, who? She was like, what about Madeline? And I'm like, I don't know about that one. We're friends. And not even 30 seconds later, Madeline calls me. Wow. And I'm like, mom, she's like, what? I was like, guess who's on the phone? She's like, who? I was like, Madeline, my wife, bye. I hang up. <laughs> so I hang up the phone and we started talking. And then, you know, we were starting to talk and she was like, so what are you, you know, what are you doing? What are your goals? What are your things? And I told her straight up, I said, I want to have a son and name him Joseph Stallings IV. No, it wasn't, I want to have a son. I'm going to have a son. Yeah. And his name is going to be Joseph the Fourth, so you might as well stop playing. Let's get started. Let's get. I was like, "What? And wow! He is, now, he is now 16 years old and played what really in the world? He did. He played. So our kids play basketball together this past weekend, which I was not able to be there. Obviously, I was at a marriage conference, and um, we were joking before we we hit record that my son had to whip up on y'all's son. Yeah. So uh, sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> 
I was forgiven. We'll take it to the cross. <laughs> we'll take it to the cross. I thought you were going to be like, they're going to take it to the court outside. <laughs> meet, me, meet me outside. No, 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 no. no. My, we don't need no team one-on-one. <laughs> yeah. Put my hand in my pocket now. No fighting for me. No more. I have enough. No. <laughs> but it was a really good game. It was a good game. It was a great game. Gosh, man, we hated to miss that. It's always like the best games. So, Joseph, you're like, okay, this is my plan. I'm going to have a son. And so pretty much from that conversation, was that the beginning of y'all's relationship? Pretty much. Like, I, I think we hung out every day after that, pretty much. Yeah, wow. we did. We hung, Yeah, because we were talking. Well, this also, we would have this prayer group thing yeah. that he had. He would he was the leader of it. So it was everybody like in their early 20s, like all the youth kind of, well, you know, young adults, because even though you're 20, you're still a young adult, but we would all get together and he would just be talking and just talking and talking about the Lord. And I remember sitting there thinking like, man, like I want my husband to be just like that. Like it was the wisdom. It was the knowledge. It was the anointing. It was everything. When he spoke, like I could, I could see what he was saying, you know what I mean? And it was so practical. And, um, that just kind of, we were talking one Sunday. It was weird because it was a start. When we started talking, it was a Sunday. And I want to say it was April the 9th. I don't remember. But we started talking. He was like, you know what? You remind me so much of my mom. And he said, like, that was kind of one of the moments where he, like, really, really, really knew that, like, it was going to be a thing. And so then a year later, <laughs> we got married. Wow. So, yeah. That's incredible. All right. So you guys get married. Did you have any kind of like premarital counseling, coaching, anything like that? Or was it just kind of like, I love you. Let's do this. No, we did. Um, his his parents, they, um, yeah, they, they counseled us. I would never do that again, though. I would never tell you to have your parents counsel anything. When it comes right. Because can you be honest? Like, were you honest in those sessions? No, I don't think I don't. I don't even know. If it wasn't that we were honest, I think that you just don't say the complete, like all the way, right? Like you're only asking what they're asking you. You're not diving deep. So I think that that was definitely a thing. And not that they were bad counselors. Right. I think that they're probably great for other people. Right. You know, now I'm pretty picky about counseling and who I go talk to and why I talk to them. Because like I tell my mom and dad, like, I want you to be my mom and dad. Like right. that's this is what your assignment was on my life to be my mom and dad. And that doesn't always mean my counselor. That doesn't always mean my pastor. That doesn't, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so I think that as I've grown older, like back in my day, you know, <laughs> I realized <laughs> that's, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I feel like that will be rough. And even, you know, like I know the guy who counseled Sean and I, um, it was Sean's pastor and it was a really tiny church. And so, you know, all the families know each other and he would ask questions <laughs> and Sean would answer. And I would look at Sean like, it's not the whole truth. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to keep it moving here. So you're right. It's like who counsels you matters. And I think that uh, if you're not, if you, first of all, if they're not asking like provoking questions and not that, not that you want to like, a couple to argue or you want to like create all this drama in it. But I think that there are red flags that come up in premarital that a lot of couples just aren't thinking about. You're thinking about the wedding. You're thinking about all the details that it takes to plan a wedding. You're thinking about what kind of life are we going to have after the marriage? And so I think that having some sort of structured 
um, training. You know, we were talking at the marriage conference about how when you're 16, you have to go to driver's ed to get your license and then you can start driving. Well, when you get married, all you have to do is go down to the courthouse and apply for a license and get married. But there's not any training required. Hey friends, I wanted to pop into the episode real quick to let you know I am so excited about our Thrive Marriage Mastermind coming up. I truly believe that marriage healing happens in community. Isn't it interesting then that we're so tempted to isolate when we go through hard times? But what if there was a virtual community of motivated married couples who wanted to improve their marriages together? Now I know what you're thinking, Dana, I don't want to talk about my marriage problems with strangers that I don't know. Well, this is exactly why I'm inviting you to the Thrive Marriage Mastermind. What if, instead of continuing cycles of dysfunction in your marriage, going through the same old, same old, you could actually learn how to build a better marriage in a safe and loving atmosphere? What if you had access to such a community for free? What would you do? Did you know, friend, that your marriage has a 100% chance of succeeding? You see, Beyonce had it wrong. You're more than just a survivor. It's time for you to thrive. You are invited to attend our next Thrive Marriage Mastermind. You can learn all the details at thrivemarriagemastermind.com. Come and see how your marriage can be revolutionized, changed. You can actually create the marriage of your dreams. It's all here for you, totally free, at thrivemarriagemastermind.com. I can't wait to see you in the mastermind. Now, let's get back to our show. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. When you're that. young, you're like so like I know it. I know right. It, right. Like it's so different. Like I I'm 40 now and I'm way different than I was when I was in my twenties. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. I knew it all, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll say this too. That sometimes life just grows you up. And mm-hmm. when you allow yourself to learn, then you can be the best you, I feel like. Yeah. I wasn't Absolutely. vulnerable when we first got married. I didn't have any sense of vulnerability. Um, it was all toughness. Let me show you instead mm-hmm. of let me hear you. Let me hold you. Let me listen. Like that wasn't there. Where do you think that came from, Joseph? Was that something that was like more caught, like you learned from your dad? Or was it just like, this is what it means to be a man? Did you feel like being vulnerable was like not manly? Or like, where where did those thoughts come from? When I was a kid, my dad was on a remote tour to Alaska. And I was watching some movers move us. My mom was upstairs. The movers were outside. I just wanted to be around other men. So I was standing outside watching the other men um, move. And one of the movers grabbed me and touched me inappropriately. Mm. And so from that day, I felt like I had to defend myself. Don't be open. Don't be, don't leave yourself vulnerable. And so it just blocked it. 
it straight up blocked it. So from that day, like I can remember, like I used to get in fights for no reason. Like somebody look at me the wrong way or say something. I felt like I had to protect. Now I always protect other people too, but I think that that's a form of shame, right? The fixer, the protector is a form of shame that comes that people don't even think about. And in men, I know it's way more prevalent. Also, it's way more prevalent in people who have been sexually assaulted. Uh, and so I think that that was my protection. Like, let me protect me and I can protect you. I don't need the protection. Mm, that's deep. And that's one of those things that is probably more of like a subconscious um, reaction. Like you probably, even if you knew you didn't have the language at that young age, even as a teenager to know, like I'm self-protecting. So I'm really not going to be emotionally available to you because I'm protecting myself. And so I can imagine the problems that that led to in y'all's marriage. So Madeline, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Like Joseph is kind of like, he's not vulnerable yet. He's closed off. What what did that feel like to you? And did you know that going in that were you like before you guys got married or maybe when you first got married, were you like, man, I really want him to like open up to me or was this kind of a, a big blind spot to you? Um, it was definitely a big blind spot. Um, I was one of those girls that loved the bad boy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and he was a bad boy. <laughs> and so I just, I was always like attracted to that and I didn't realize it. But one of the things that he didn't um, mention is that when the guy did that to him, like everybody started laughing. So it was like a joke. Mm. So for him, it was that that inappropriateness, which was perversion mixed with laughter, right? So I grow up and um, my family on my dad's side, there was always lewd jokes, lewd comments. I mean, just so it was normal for me to like, you know, grab him and like, hey, and be flirty. But I didn't know then and he didn't know then to articulate that sends me to a place that makes me very uncomfortable. So I'm going to shut down because when I did it, he was like, because I was very affectionate, very bubbly and playful, you know, but he didn't like that. He was like, yo, can you stop? That's too much. So when he said that, it was like, he just turned the light off and just, so I'm just like, Mm. okay, fine. And so then that, so then his, that disconnection, that thing, it, it really affected my psyche thinking, okay, you know, I'm not good enough or you don't like the way I, you know, show you affection, not knowing that it made him feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of work through that. And we just kind of just kind of realized the last few years with him, like being open about that and being able to talk about it so freely and, and, and being surrendered and letting the Lord heal that place mm-hmm. that we were able to address, well, this is how it made me. And I'm like, oh man, so I have to work on, I can't joke with him like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even if I think it's flirty because of, and, and so for me, I realized that me joking like that was out of that spirit of perversion, but it was because of what I was raised around but my family was really dysfunctional. So it was normal to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember when when I moved from Hawaii, I had a whole bunch of, I had a friend, he was a DJ or whatever. And he made this CD for me uh, because I moved away from Hawaii in 11th grade. And so it was the CD that everybody was, oh, Maddie, we miss you and this and that. But one of my friends said, like, oh, I'm going to miss your, you know, sex kind jokes and stuff like that. And I look back at that now and I'm like, oh my gosh. 
what people need to realize is that like we all have some kind of hurt or some kind of something from our childhood. And when you come together with someone, you really have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to yourself, to heal and not lie to yourself so that you can be your best. Because me being a hurt little girl was not a nice wife to him. Right. Him being a disconnected, shut off, you know, gangster boy wasn't kind to me. And so over the years and the hard things that we went through, um, we learned how to better love each other. That's good. You know, one of the reasons I wanted you guys on the show is because you have been through so many hard times together and y'all are like that little, what's the little, y'all know the toy back in our day that they used to have <laughs> where you would like punch it and it would like pop back up and you would like punch yeah, it and it would like wobble. There you go. The weeble wobble. That's what y'all's marriage is like. It's like yeah. you get punched and you like get back up and you get punched, you get back up. You guys have gone through a lot in your marriage. And, you know, there have been separations in your marriage and there have been, of, of course, times of major disconnection in your marriage. And what has kept you popping back up? Why do you keep staying in the fight? I don't think that we ever fell out of love at the same time. Hmm. I think that's that's important. That's important. good. Even we were separated for a year and a half. And it was funny, like when it, the separation happened, I was at work. Somebody told me to read the book Hosea uh, at work. Like we had been, we separated and somebody told me to read the book of Hosea. And I said, okay, let me read that. But I didn't want to, you know, I had already read it before and I knew what that meant. Like if he said, read the book Hosea, then he's going to ask me to go get her. And I'm like, I don't want to. I hurt. My pride was in the way. Like, no, I don't want to do that. And But I did. And it didn't happen immediately. But I, he asked me, he said, when I bring her, when I bring her back, will you take her back? And I'm like, mm. all right, Lord, I'll do that. And, uh, and, it, and it happened. Like it was exactly the way he said it. And I mean, to the point to where like I was like, I had told the Lord, like, no, I'm done. I'm moving on with my life. Let's back up a little bit, because I don't think people know. Obviously, my listeners are just meeting you guys, but your story involves Madeline. So you, at that point, had left the marriage, and you were kind of doing your own thing at that point. Joseph, you're like, this person comes to you. They're like, will you will you read this book? And you were like, I already know what that book is. I ain't trying to read that book. You know, um, as a matter yeah. of fact, I actually was going to, I was going to write a book called I'm Not Hosea, because similarly... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I had that, you know, that same, like, well, the Lord told Hosea, I am not Hosea. Okay. That was that man. Right. And that was his relationship with the Lord that has nothing to do with me. Um, so right. I get it. So tell us a little bit about your, your story. So Madeline, how long had y'all been married when this, this first separation happened? Okay. So, um, our oldest son was like two when I first Started working on my testimony. And that's a great way to put it. Um, yep. And then, so one one thing that happened was that we I got pregnant with um, our second son, and I was I was mad at the world then because I did not want to be pregnant. I wanted to be done. Um, I'm like I just you know I I don't I just can't. One of the things that the Lord told me let me back up real quick when I was pregnant with my son because um, my oldest son Joseph. Oh my God, I just you know, you, you get into this relationship and you are learning to live with someone. Like I moved from my parents' house to living with him, you know what I mean? Being married. And so me never having any time and all these kind of things, like it frustrated me. So the Lord was like, 
if you, because I, I was thinking about taking my life, and Lord was like, if you take your life, you're going to kill your son. And I was pregnant with our oldest son, but I was only two months, two months pregnant. So he let me know, one, that I had a son. You know what I'm saying? And then when it came to the second son, Joshua, I was just so upset. Like the Lord said, especially my son, Joshua, he said, Joshua Malachi, and he showed me both of them in dreams. So when Joshua came, I feel like it brought us back together. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm like, oh man, I'm pregnant. And I was like, I don't want to be pregnant. And so I think that brought us together. When the boys were about maybe two and four, that was like our first separation. And I stayed with my mom for like maybe three or four months. And then we decided, you know, we're going to work it out because, you know, I'm over here not knowing what's going on. And a lot of times I was always worried about the wrong thing. Who is he with? What is he doing? Blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, and so you you carry that bitterness, you know what I mean? Because he used to like to hang out and stuff like that. So just me being home. I was a street dude. Like I, I wanted to be in the streets. You know what I mean? And it wasn't never a person. It was the street. It was the money, it was the drugs, it was, that's what it was. You and know? I used to tell him, I'm not going to be your mistress to the streets. I sure did. Mm. Like, right, so then it was that, and then we separated again, uh, I think, when the boys were a little bit older. And again, I went to my mom's, and the third time, I was like, I am, like, done, 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 done. I just can't do this. And then there was a lot of things over the time that we had to learn that wasn't so much a big deal. You know, like the the way he was brought up, that strict background, you can't do this, you can't miss church, you can't miss rehearsal, you better be there. So just different things like that. And I'm like, I don't grow up in the church. I'm I don't know all of these rules and I'm not about to follow everything. So I'm bucking against him because you're not about to tell me what to do. All of like all of it. And so the last time when I moved out, that was when um I was just really in a bad place, really in a bad place. I mean, I had worn myself down to hanging on by a thread. And, you know, we had decided, okay, we're going to get back together. And we're at this this uh, conference thing that we had, you know, been going to. Because we would still kind of do things together because I, I always had that connection to him. And then we had kids and I did love him, even though he would make me upset. You know, I, I still wanted to see the best for him, though there were times where I said some mean stuff that didn't make him feel that way. But I said, okay, well, you know what? We're going to get back together, but I'm still in my apartment. I got about a month or two. I'm going to just have my little fun. And then when I have to go, I'm going to go back. That was my mindset. And in that small window of time, in that small window of time, I got pregnant. and. I remember when I told him, I, I mean, when I went to the doctor, I was like, no, I was so the immediate shame, immediate shame. Now, one, I don't believe in abortion. I believe that every seed that touches the egg is a gift from God. And I believe that God, God is the only giver of life. You know what I'm saying? So I believe that she had a purpose, you know, um, or it had a purpose at that time. And it was hard though. It was really hard because I felt like I had to wear my shame in my belly. I had to wear what I did. I was wearing my sin, not that she was, but my belly showing this baby, not everybody knew. And so we kind of just kind of kept it quiet and people go, like, oh, congratulations. And I would just always feel so bad because yeah. 
they were saying congratulations to him. And he's like, in in his mind, you know, this ain't my baby. Well, so when the Lord asked him, would he take me back? I don't think he knew that I was pregnant mm. when he said yes. So when I came back, and this was in 2015, when I, or 2014, and when I came back and told him, it was, it was devastating. And that's one of the hardest things that we've, one of the hardest things we've experienced. We talk a lot about infidelity on this podcast. And I mean, we've, Sean and I've been through it. I know you guys have been through it. Like, but when you have a child like that now, that's like a whole nother level, you know? Yeah. So Joseph, like, how did you reconcile? Obviously, you know, it's not the baby's fault, but like, how did you reconcile? Like, we're going to get back together, but I'm always going to have this reminder really of like what was, you know what I mean? Like what, what was the product of that? Like, you know, we talk about the the songs that we sing, like you know, the cornerstone, I hope is built on nothing else. Like, I don't sing songs that I don't have revelation in. You know, mm -hmm. people be like, oh, we should sing this song. I'm like, I don't have any revelation in that song, so I can't sing it. Um, or then it's just Christian karaoke. And, you know, I want I want it to mean something. And so mm -hmm. I think in that time, knowing what the Lord had asked me to do, then he knew what the rest of the story was. So then I'm going to trust in you, right? Like, when I have that trust in him, then I can do whatever he asked me to do. And if he, and then I know what the outcome is, is going to be able to be glory, it, that it's going to bring him glory. And so when he asked me that, I knew that whatever the Lord wanted out of this, that he was going to bring glory. It's not the child's fault. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, her biological dad was like, Hey, have an abortion. And she asked me, what do you think? And I'm like, no, that's my baby. I'll take care of her. She'll mm. be my she'll be my daughter. And it's mm. funny, like every time like we're walking around, people are like, she looks just like you. <laughs> like it's so funny. I'm like, she does not even my actual DNA. But yeah, the Lord knows what he's doing. Um, and so I trusted. I trusted that. I didn't trust my feelings. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I learned to understand that like sometimes my emotions can be erratic. I have a friend that says you can't trust your emotions. Um, you can't let them drive, but you can't put them in the trunk. Yeah. Mm, that's so, a great quote. I think that's a great quote. That's what I went on. You know, yeah. Lord, what, what, Lord, what are you saying? You obviously are going to get the glory out of this and I'm going to do it. And I did. We held on. And I think probably two years after Mila was born is when I disconnected. And I was like, I'm done. I'm, we had got back together. She'd been doing all this work. And I disconnected and was like, because it, it, it got so hard. It got so hard in it. And it was just hurting me constantly. And I was just like, that's my go-to, disconnect, disconnect. Just disconnect, compartmentalize, put it in a box, in a closet, in the back room and close that door. And that's what I did. And then I had an affair, you know? And so I think that just like what I've learned is like, man, you can't, you cannot. You cannot put that stuff in a small box and put it in your back closet. And learning that vulnerability has really helped us have conversations, like have those courageous conversations to where you say, this is this is what I'm feeling. But because I'm feeling that way doesn't mean that you're the one who made me feel this way. As, as a child, things have happened to you, right? And you have these connections with these things. And that other person might have just scraped your boo-boo. They didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't put that wound there, but they might've brushed up against it. 
But then now we're blaming that person for the deep seated hurt. And, and that's what the Lord has been showing me. Like she didn't cause that pain. You know, there mm-hmm. are pains that were caused. She didn't cause that pain. You're like that because of this. And so like yeah. trusting him all the way through it. You know what I mean? Even uh, uh, when I trust you, I don't need to understand. There's that lyric, right? So, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about triggers, really. And you know, I was in a session with a, with a couple yesterday that I'm coaching. And I said, you know, we can look at each other as triggers. Like, you're my, you, that's a big kind of buzzword in our culture right now. Like, you're triggering me. You're triggering me, right? And we can have a couple responses to that. If we're married, we can decide you're triggering me too much. And so, therefore, you are unsafe and I need to disconnect from you. Or we could say you're triggering me so much. I need to look and see why I am being so wounded in that area. Mm-hmm. And when we do the latter, then our spouse actually becomes an agent of our own healing. And so I think that what you're saying is that like, you know, all the things that were happening in your marriage, it was triggering, it was scraping that wound and you chose to disconnect, which is where affairs start. Like affairs don't start when you wake up in a hotel room with somebody or when you go to a club and you meet somebody. That's not where the affair starts. The affair starts when, there you go, the emotional, right? It's when you choose to disconnect because at the end of the day, it's a self-preservation mechanism. We're afraid of being hurt. So we disconnect from our spouses, which then makes us open or vulnerable to those other relationships. And I don't know why we think that like, if we disconnect because we're hurt, that walking into another relationship is the thing that's going to fix it. I have (laughs) no clue. Like it makes no sense to me now. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But it happens all the time. It happens constantly. We walk, we walk from our hurt with one thing, with our baggage and everything else. And we move it right into the next place you know, and that's, that's, and I think it's I because want, yeah. we don't fill it with the Lord. We fill it with other things. So mm-hmm. that's to me, I look at it as an addiction. You're going to get the next fix, but what is your fix? That emotional, Oh, Hey, what's up, babe? Or, Oh, how you doing, sweet? And like, that's, that can, that right there can be a drug for some people that is lacking emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You can go to another person. You can go to an alcohol. You can go to, you know, watching stuff, you know, it, and I'm learning this in life, like people, they have to take their stuff to Jesus and give it to him because he's the only one that can fix it. And one thing he told me is like, it's okay to be messy mm-hmm. because we come, we, we think, oh, I got to have it all right to come to God. No. When the prodigal came onto the road where he was walking home, do you think he was clean? No, he was mm-hmm. messy and stinky and dirty. And the Lord wants us to know you can come to me stinking, messy, nasty. Let me wash you. Those mm-hmm. things over there, it's not going to help you. Those yeah. things are going to, it's only a, a temporary thing that gets you sucked into a loophole much deeper than you can, than you can get yourself out of. Because at the yeah. end, you ever seen the, the meme where it says, when I went, when I, I should have listened to Jesus, what I looked like on the way back. And it's like this hyena, it looked like it was, uh, <laughs> plugged into a light light socket yeah you know you didn't have you know what i'm saying so i believe that if we give it to god in the beginning learn how Mm -hmm. to do that and learn tools to cope and things like that and then inquire incorporate jesus in it then those things won't be the things that we go to when he hung on the cross like i know we all have this picture of him covered up but why would anyone that filleted him open put a crown of thorns on him beat him cover him 
he was there naked because that was another part of them trying to make him shamed. And I think what we do is that we cover up coming to Jesus and Jesus is like, stop covering up. Let me see it all. That's right. Let me see it all. Let me see all the inconsistencies. Let me see the pain. Let me see the hurt. Let me see the emotion. And he is not afraid of it, right? We're afraid of sharing our emotions, but he is not afraid of taking our emotions. And he's a safe place. Yeah. 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 He's a safe place for individuals and he's a safe place for couples. And one of the things that we weren't doing that we started doing within the last few years was like praying together. Like there Mm -hmm. is no way that any marriage is going to make it without putting God in the middle. Right. And there's no way because you have these two different people, two different backgrounds, two different minds coming together as one. And we, we don't agree on everything. And so mm-hmm. learning how to model and have that good communication, those things are so important. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, that's why I love the book of Genesis so much, because, you know, going back to what you were saying about the covering and the shame, that's exactly what the creation story teaches us. You know, how Adam and Eve, they were originally created to be naked and unashamed, naked and unashamed. But then when sin entered into the picture, the first thing they did was cover and hide. And so Jesus dying on the cross, you know, I say all the time, he didn't just die for our sin or for our sickness, but also our shame. So he became shame so that we wouldn't have to carry shame any longer. And I think that if we can really get that message to people that it doesn't matter what you've been through, like I look at y'all's story and you've got scars. We all do. Right. But you don't have to carry the shame of those scars anymore. So you're still a work in process. And I know that you guys are continuing to work on your marriage and every day you will have to continue to work on your marriage as I will, as Sean will, as as every couple who's listening to this podcast. It's not like, oh, we're reconciled. We're back together. Praise God. You know, life is butterflies and roses. It's like, it's still going to be this process of learning about yourself, learning about each other, surrendering all of it to the Lord, being vulnerable, being open, talking about your wounds using those triggers to draw you closer together versus disconnecting you. And so you guys, this has been, I mean, we could talk forever. This could be a five part series, honestly, with just y'all two. Um, <laughs> Cause there's so, so, so much of your story. And I'd love to have you guys back again and maybe unpack a little bit more of that, but thank y'all so much for, for this conversation. All right, my friends. Well, there you have it. I told you you were going to be inspired by the comeback story. I think they have probably one of the most incredible comeback stories of all time. And I'm so glad that Joseph reminded me of that Weeble Wobble story. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I know for sure my marriage has definitely felt like a Weeble Wobble at times. And this is the deal. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Your marriage has the capability of getting back up. So many people fail in marriage, not because of marriage problems, but just simply because they fail to get back up. Now, of course, I am not promoting abuse. I'm not saying that you need to just get back up if you're being abused and if your spouse is just constantly cheating on you, just get back up. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I believe that there is an overcomer inside of every single one of you. And I am just so excited to be with you 
on this journey of finding that overcomer. So again, thank you so much, Joseph and Madeline, for everything that you all shared today on this episode. If you'd like the show notes to this podcast, you can always find them over at realrelationshiptalk.com. Today's episode is found at episode 139. So realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 139. And friends, remember to head on over to thrivemarriagemastermind.com. I would love to have every single one of you that is listening to the sound of my voice right now in the mastermind totally free. We're going to spend two days together talking about how to not only improve our marriage, but how to make our marriages thrive. That's right, friends. You truly can build the marriage of your dreams. I'm such a believer in this. I'm super passionate about it. So be sure to head on over to thrivemarriagemastermind.com to register for the event. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode. As I end every episode in saying, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.